Hello humans, and welcome to another episode of Exposing Isolation. My name is Rebecca Elizabeth Weber, and today is May 2nd, 2019. So if you've been listening to the last two episodes, you may notice that I'm louder now. Yay, learning how to record. That is hopefully going to help you all hear uh, me a little bit better. You can choose how loud I am now. So this morning, it's, it's still pretty early. I don't think it's 8 a.m. yet. I don't really check the time. I don't have anywhere to go. Um, that's up to Thomas. He knows when he needs to leave and he leaves then. Pretty simple. Um, but this morning, I am really trying to listen to my body. And it's nothing new, but what's new is that I'm getting some new feedback, some new ideas. I had really been thinking that what was best for me was to try and have a really structured morning to get up and do all the things that I felt set me up for my best day. I I may have even mentioned that in one of the last episodes that I'm trying to figure out all the best things for myself and to do them and to really try and succeed uh, from that perspective with that method. But it was two days ago, I just slept in. And I'm not sure I did anything in order or got all the things in the morning done, but I, I liked it. It was nice to be softer with my healing for once. I have a really hard time. I, I worry about being lazy in my illness and even saying that out loud I know I have a lot to unpack with that and I'm probably not going to figure it all out today but I I do worry about being perceived as lazy in my illness that I'm not trying hard enough to heal and um You know, maybe that's just coming from me. I don't know if that's coming from anyone else. But, you know, different perspectives. Maybe I'm not trying hard enough to heal. I know that I haven't put as much energy into researching myself as I have helping others in the past. That's fair enough. I find it very emotional and difficult and just, I don't know if I would go this far, but something on the spectrum of spiritually exhausting to research my own symptoms and conditions. And it has been eye-opening as well as draining sometimes to participate in the communities that share symptoms with me. There are some compassionate, wise, wonderful people in those communities. But then there's also people who have been struggling for so long that they no longer have capacity to hold space for others. I understand that. I have those days. I don't have that life yet or anymore, depending on how you look at it. Um... Hopefully not ever. But I 
I do have hard days and sometimes I, I am freaked out and sometimes I do feel that it's best to protect others by trying to freak them out and scare them and make them worried. In this case, specifically talking about chemical fragrances, which is something that I am very sensitive to. Uh, it keeps me predominantly housebound because my body gets very, very upset when exposed to chemical fragrances. And so I had to begin avoiding about four years ago, a little over four years ago. Um, yeah, some people call this multiple chemical sensitivity or sensitivities, MCS, uh, environmental illness. That's also a play on why this um, audio show is called Exposing Isolation EI, also EI for environmental illness, ha ha ha. It's not very funny, but it is um, connected. And yeah, there's also a theory where it, it's called TILT, T-I-L-T, toxicant-induced loss of tolerance. These sensitivities impact millions of Americans every year. I don't remember all the facts and figures right now. I can certainly for find them for you. If you are at all interested, please let me know. But millions of Americans report missing work or having to avoid work altogether outside the home due to sensitivities to environmental factors. It is perceived or estimated, I'm not sure how they gather this data, that some 90% of us will experience some form of housing instability, we'll call it, at some point in our journeys with these sensitivities because there's no current practice, at least in the United States, and rarely even abroad to build homes that don't have some sort of element or component, some sort of building material or finishing or something like that that's made with a substance that the human body doesn't appreciate being in contact with. And so most people seem to be doing fine with this still, the, the what do they call it? the body burden of toxins, I think, something like that, that humans face today is astronomical, as I'm sure you can imagine. What's surprising is that it's not just in, um, you know, chemical processes and industrial and away from us. We use these um, products, substances on ourselves, in ourselves, um, in our homes, on each other, on our children, on our pets, in our cars, in our offices, every day, all the time. Um, if you take any bottle, let's say, of a shampoo or maybe hairspray, um, laundry soap, dish soap, something like that, and you look at the back that it, at the ingredients. Now, if it doesn't have ingredients on it, that's not great. Um, it's best when you can know what's in your stuff, just FYI. Um, but if you look on the back and one of the ingredients is fragrance or perfume or perfume or some 
iteration of that word um that means it can be any number i think 8000 substances um that are like a trademark secret of whatever company made the bottle of whatever you're holding in your hand and um they don't have to disclose what that cocktail is made out of how they achieved the razzleberry um hand sanitizer or whatever fragrance quote unquote that um the bottle is claiming they don't have to tell you how they created that uh scent for you and there's currently no regulation or very very little regulation on what substances go into what they end up calling fragrance so there's there's no way for you to know what is in there there's just no way and people like me for some fairly unknown reason so there there are uh theories and tests and things and i can send them to you um but for reasons that i personally claim to not understand to not know my body seems to react to whatever's in those fragrances whether they really are toxic or not and i can't prove that either some other people seem to have proven that and claim it and again can send you those sources there's a couple of really good documentaries actually um but for whatever reason my body says oh my goodness poison you are in danger run and instead of being able to run i just never expose myself well never is a strong word but I rarely go out, and when I do, I have a filter mask so that I don't experience other people's fragrance decisions. I've also created a website, scentneutrality.org, that helps people find fragrance-free alternatives to their self and home care products. It's not really finished, and some of the links are dead, but... I think it gives you a good estimate of what I'm talking about, where we're going, what I'm doing. And I thought that today it would be nice to share this with you because it's just so foundational to everything that I do is that I live a fragrance-free life for very specific reasons. So if you ever want to talk about this, let me know. I seem to have a perspective on it that's a little bit more zen than other people. I guess that's just serving me. So I might be a good person to talk to if you have any questions or if you're interested in transitioning, visit scentneutrality.org. And I will leave you there. That's probably enough for you to think about right now. Goodbye for now.